Welcome to That's Awesome ID. My name is Leslie Early, and each week I will be speaking with a different guest and learning about one thing they think is awesome in the field of instructional design. Okay, today I have Sarah Stevick joining me. Sarah is an instructional designer and the founder of Teaching a Path to Learning and Development. And today we are going to talk about how to come up with project ideas for your ID portfolio. Sarah, it's so great to see you again and to have you back in season two. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you about portfolios. Woo! Love talking about portfolios. Um, so I guess, first of all, would you like to take a moment or two to introduce yourself to listeners who may not be familiar with you? Um, and maybe this is a big ask, so share what you would like, but you can share what you've been up to since the last time we spoke. You know, only a year, so, you know. <laughs> only a year, it's fine, you know. Not much happens in, in that time, but um, yeah, sure. So I'm, like you said, Sarah Stevick. I am the founder of the group Teaching a Path to L&D. And we are on LinkedIn. We help teachers transition into the learning and development, specifically instructional design space. So over the last year, just been, you know, connecting with a lot of people, mentoring, and just trying to help out and provide support wherever we can and making lots of connections, doing lots of work at work, you know, so mm -hmm. living the life. Dreaming living the, the life. Yeah, in the middle of a global pandemic. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> yes, all of us. Um, so, let's see. So, today we are going to be jumping into some portfolio advice. And I feel like this is something that most people, wherever they are in their journey, can learn from and ask about. Like, I get questions about this from people who are transitioning into instructional design. I get people who've been in instructional design and they want to update their portfolio or they've just been working the whole time and never had time to put a portfolio together. So I think this is a pretty good topic for anybody who's like across the board thinking about building a portfolio. Um, but specifically, one of the big questions is how the heck do you come up with any ideas for what to put in your portfolio that's not covered by like a non-disclosure agreement? <laughs> <laughs> that is a great question. And I do get this question quite a bit um, in the mentoring that I encountered. So a portfolio is a working document. It is meant to be a representation of your current ability in instructional design. So it is something that you do want to keep up with, even if you are in an instructional design role currently, because that is kind of one of the ways that you express your professional presence and your mm. capabilities as an instructional designer. So this comes up all the time. I see it on so many forums. People always say, what's the most important thing? when trying to become an instructional designer. And I see the same response. And the answer is, you have to have a portfolio. Mm -hmm. Learn the tools, make a portfolio. Learn the tools, mm -hmm. make a portfolio. And I think that is true in a sense. But I do want to take a moment to really emphasize that the reason a portfolio is an effective representation of your skill set 
is because it's not just meant to show a final product. It's meant to show your design thinking, your process, Mm -hmm. why you chose certain design choices, why you included an activity here. It can also show how you conducted your analysis or feedback or iterations that you've made. I think it's very beneficial to really broaden the definition of a portfolio here because this is your opportunity to really shine and show not just a finished product, but the entire process that you went Mm -hmm. through. So to your question. <laughs> no, but it, it's all true. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for laying it all out because I'm over here nodding very enthusiastically like, yes, this is all true. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're, you're putting all of that knowledge to execution in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. So this is where you show that you know instructional design theories. This is where you show that you know graphic design principles. This is where you show you are able to design for adult learners that address a specific need and it's just meat, no potatoes kind of thing, you know. So ideas, right? You get this advice, okay, I need to make a portfolio. And then you're like, your mind goes completely blank. Mm -hmm. Even if you make stuff all the time out in the world, you know, you create, create, create. And what I really like to do is I step back Mm -hmm. and I take a look at the world I'm experiencing around me. So when I'm out at the grocery store or when I'm in interactions with individuals or if I'm at work or whatever I'm doing, I look for areas of opportunity that I could improve. Because what is the point of a training? The point of a training is to solve for a skill deficiency, Mm -hmm. especially in the corporate world. Um, If you're a teacher out there and you're transitioning, there is definitely a difference between learning for knowledge that we give to our students and learning to really instill a behavioral change to improve what we call KPIs, right? Or our ROIs. Mm -hmm. So- We really want to make sure that we're solving for a problem. Now, what are these problems, right? This could be something such as you're walking into the grocery store and you notice the shelves aren't stocked right. You could create a training on how to stock shelves. You could also maybe really break down that problem as far as like why is this occurring Mm -hmm. uh, and Maybe even ask, you know, you could ask the manager, you could ask the person stocking the shelves, like, what kind of skills do you wish that they had taught you? Where do you feel like you would really benefit from additional training? Or, you know, put out surveys and ask, where do you notice your employees really needing some additional support? Mm -hmm. And that's going to start the ball rolling. There's also websites out there. Go design um, designsomething.co. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christy Tucker has an excellent list of ideas. You could also try and you know go broader than that. Everybody has onboarding training. You could come up mm-hmm. with a fictitious company that you develop branding for, and you say, okay, well, when they have to come into the company, they should be aware of the values and how can we really instill those values. 
So that's another approach. Or you can think about your own personal experiences. I know Mm -hmm. as a teacher, we've all been the very fortunate recipient multiple times of the ever-enthusiastic Bloodborne Pathogens training. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And training doesn't have to be like that. And this is your opportunity to show that. So that's a great way to start coming up with ideas. Yeah, I think going out into the world or thinking thinking of a problem that you've experienced personally and thinking of like, how could we solve this is a good place to start. I did something very similar and it's still in my portfolio, although I probably should update my portfolio with new things now. But, um, you know, one of the first things that I put in my portfolio was a training, an imaginary training um, for pet owners because I, at that time, my dog went through a surgery and like I had no idea how to really take care of her while she was completely debilitated for several weeks. And so I was like, I had to scour the internet to find information, you know? And so I was like, I wish my vet had packaged something together that I could look at and learn from. And and so I'm not up at, you know, one in the morning stressing out, like, is this normal? Like what to expect? You know, like why? And I have to Google it. Excellent. Excellent idea. Yeah. I I forget what we called it. It was like uh, something, something for pet owners. (laughs) This is terrible that I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, but that was it. It was like an imaginary solution to a real world problem that I had experienced similar to like what you're describing in the grocery store. Like if you're like noticing, Hey, this is a real world problem. And I'm sure with a little bit of training, we could make this a lot easier on people. (laughs) Yes. And and like there's that snowball just keeps running with that, right? Like you can think about customer service that you've experienced where you're like, man, I wish this person would just listen to me. Well, maybe they don't have the skills. How -hmm. can they get the skills? Hmm. Okay. So that, you know, anytime that you come up against something, I always I always have a notepad in my phone running of, of ideas. Oh. So yeah. So like when I when I encounter like, gosh, this really has an area of opportunity to maybe provide some training on and help provide a better experience for everyone, I write it down. Um, so that's definitely a great way to go about it. I would say you should consider your your audience. So what type of company that you're looking for? Um, I think it's good to have really solid pieces that, you know, are not too long, but that you can extrapolate on as far as what was your design thinking? How did you go about the process, you know, like we discussed before. So, you know, think about what type of company you want to work for and maybe even solve for one of their problems. Mm-hmm. And portfolio pieces can be an e-learning. They can be a video, an instructional video. It could be a job aid. It could be an instructor guide or user guide. There's lots of different things that as instructional designers that we put out to really help facilitate and reinforce behavioral change. Mm -hmm. So when we're designing for a portfolio, really think about how can I make this as real as possible? So you can set it up in a scenario. You know, you can introduce the topic and create buy-in right off the bat. 
media has been doing this for years, right? They mm-hmm. tap into that visceral part of us that is, oh, I'm interested in this because it affects me. And so I'm going to pay attention because this is useful. Mm-hmm. And it's it's important to think about your audience and do some empathy mapping, like have a clear picture in your mind, like who is this training for, mm-hmm. right? So from there, you really want to show – it doesn't have to be a big, long course. I, I see a lot of individuals go about this as like I have to build a whole lot and it'll be like an hour-long course. Recruiters hiring managers looking at your portfolio are not going to sit through an hour-long course. No, no. So pick one objective, build out that objective, and then have documents that show the planning of the full course Mm -hmm. and how you would go about the rest of it. Also, after you create your portfolio piece, go ahead and put it out and gather feedback, create a learning survey for it. And then use that survey information to make iterations to your design. So make changes for the good and then say that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. show those changes over time and support it with that learner experience. I've seen that. I I don't have any that type of showing that iteration in my portfolio, but I have seen it. Other people do it. And um, specifically, I saw one person do it where she – had the she actually showed three separate three or four iterations of it and the very first one and then she got peer feedback and then she even did an iteration where she was interviewing with a specific company and um she must have known she was interviewing with them or was going into an interview with them because with that same exact portfolio piece she then iterated again and rebranded it for that company that she was interviewing with. So it was like in her portfolio is like, here's what I would make specifically for you and what it would look like and how it would apply to you. And I was like, that's really smart. (laughs) You're really smart. Yes, that is exactly what I'm talking about because you're showing your range and you're showing that you are flexible and adapting to learner needs versus we always want to keep in mind that we're not designing for us. We're designing mm-hmm. for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess sort of to recap, a lot of what we were talking about was try to try to find some real world problems to solve um, <clears throat> and try to make it as experiential as you possibly, I mean, as you can, right, in, in e-learning. Um and, and yeah, think about, use some empathy and think about, you know, what, what is the problem you're trying to solve and how is it relevant to your learner? And I think that's going to demonstrate a lot more so than just showing, hey, I know how to use Storyline or I know how to use Rise or whatever the case may be, or I know how to use Camtasia and make a video. Um, but more so, I know how to make this engaging and I know how to make this feel like it's solving a real problem that's relevant to somebody, somebody out there, (laughs) you know, maybe not necessarily relevant to me or the person reviewing my portfolio, but it's, it's relevant to someone. And that's, that's easy to, to imagine or. Absolutely. I really think you captured it really well. And I think it's important to really address the fact that learning a tool 
and being able to put slides together is not instructional design. Mm -hmm. Instructional design is being able to use tools to create meaningful and effective learning experiences that drive behavioral changes and make an impact. So when you're designing, truly think, is this designing for learning or is this a slide deck that anybody could put together? I think there's a lot of people moving into the field nowadays and the tools themselves are not enough. The theories themselves are not enough. The like going through a program or a academy, it's not enough. It's putting the knowledge, the tools together in practical application and demonstrating that you can design effective learning experiences. And mm-hmm. whether you do that through free learning on your own, everybody is very capable of self-learning and using critical thinking. You do not have to go through a program or a degree to get that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you choose to, that's completely fine too. You know, some people prefer the structure of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But one is not necessarily better than the other. It's not a program that makes you an instructional designer. It's not the knowledge that makes you an instructional designer. It's how you apply it. Mm -hmm. And that's what's important to remember as you transition into instructional design if you're on that journey. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. You have to have a little bit of everything and and make it all work together for sure. Um, I feel like we could talk about portfolio design for quite a long time, (laughs) more time (laughs) than we have time for right now. But um, it was so lovely talking to you again, Sarah, and hearing all of your tips and tricks and advice on this. And um, if listeners would like to connect with you, you know, you, you obviously have a lot of knowledge about this. Um, what's, what's the best place to connect with you? Yeah, I'm happy to connect. I'm on LinkedIn. You can look me up there. Also, if you would like to do a meet and greet or you would like some feedback on a portfolio piece or on your portfolio itself, a resume, you can always sign up with one of TPLD's um, free mentors. We have 30-minute mentor sessions um, on our website at www.teachlearndev.org. Awesome. And that, that is such a wonderful resource. And I, I'm like, when you first told me about this and like that you've kept it going this long and it continues to grow, it's really amazing. And I've had the opportunity to chat with people and mentor people and, and look at their portfolios. And it's just been, it was, it's a really rewarding as well. So, um, yeah, we love having you as a mentor. I can't tell you, like, it's all volunteer based and, Everybody just dives in and gives it their all with heart and support. And we're here to just really change lives and not just the people who are coming through it, but our volunteers' lives are changed as well. So I, I'm so thankful for for the time that you donate. Oh, thank and you. for yeah, all our I, volunteers. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a very rewarding – like you're absolutely right. It, it does – it really um, – it's just as – I feel like just as beneficial, probably I can only speak for myself, but just as beneficial for the people who are, who are volunteering as probably for the people who are asking for the advice. I think it's a, it's a win-win in my mind, but yeah. Mine too. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again, Sarah. And I hope you have a lovely rest of your evening. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, everyone.